to be joking. You've got to be joking. Now, when the treasurer wishes oh, to go no. there or not, I would forbid him going. Forbid him going to the Senate. To, uh, to uh, account for this unrepresentative swell over there. How you going this week? I'll beat, beat you to it. Beat me to it. <laughs> I was literally ready. I was the one who pressed the button as well. So yeah. I was like, ready, you still beat me to it. Stuck in there, you know. That hurts. I, I've been all right. I've been actually really good, Rob. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a lovely day right now. We're going to upload a time lapse, time lapse again this week. Mm. Um, and it's, hopefully you can see the sunlight just flooding into my Capture room. Capture the gorgeous light. I mean, yeah. Rob, your recording studio is top of the line. When you told me about this room, bedroom recording studio, I was a little dubious, but this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the walls are clearly, you know, padded, you know, there's no yeah. echo. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, no, I've been good. I've just been recovering from the mid-sems, just like... Yeah, uni's starting to pick up. Yeah, a little we bit. We can notice that, definitely. I've got, fun fact, all of my units have an assignment due in week 12. In that was... Including active leadership. Weird. <laughs> that was me last semester. I have one assignment this semester. So. Oh, oh, man, I had 9,000 words of assignments last semester. It was hell. Yeah, I'll have, uh, what, 7,500 and a minute speech. Ah, the, the well, minute active speech. Leadership. <laughs> active right, leadership. Yeah, don't even <laughs> a minute speech. The issue is that Jesus. that's a group assignment, and we have these three t- you know, teenage boys who are 17, fresh out of high school, <laughs> and one of them went to hell, and they're all just fucking flogs. I, I hate group assignments. Just yeah. The, and that sounds like the worst type of group like assignment. Like they're just ever. like shit posting in our group chat. <laughs> shut up. Oh my god. They haven't learnt that no one likes university yet. Yeah, that that they're, they're still you know fresh-eyed and you know believe that the world is good. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Having... they'll listen to the cast and they'll they'll start thinking otherwise. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, hopefully. Yeah. So you've been alright. Otherwise, Rob, how's uh COVID? How's the big shadow of COVID treating you? Well, as we'll get into later in the podcast, uh, restrictions lifted, and that's really really exciting. I think for people particularly our age. Um. And I think, honestly, if these restrictions lasted for the next three years, I wouldn't really mind that much because I don't really enjoy seeing over 10 people. <laughs> As we've ever. discussed before, Rob's living his best life. In <laughs> so, yeah, honestly, this doesn't really affect me that much going up to 10. Like, I'm hanging out with, like, friends on Friday with you and uh, our Yeah, mates. we're going to have some beers on Friday. Yeah. Which is, I'm extremely excited because that'll be the first time I'm actually drunk, you know, a decent amount of beers since quarantine. Me too. Time. Yeah, because been... I realise that you know, I just don't drink unless it's a social situation. <laughs> it's probably good, right? I mean, yeah, it is good, but you know, it's, I guess, a bit concerning considering it's you know the only reason why I do this thing that I do almost every weekend, well, every other weekend, is just because of friends. But it's a social thing. It's like you enjoy yeah. the drink more with. Other friends. I guess so. I guess so. That's a good point. Yeah, but it'll evolve. Trust me. When we're older, we'll start drinking on a weeknight because I mean, we work yeah. too much. Working, just working so hard. Well, my that's what my old man does, anyways. That's what my friends do as well. So yeah. a couple of beers every night. Yeah, no yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Yeah, it's weird. Um, it kind of ended a little bit sooner than we all thought it would. This, or at least things are lifting a little yeah. sooner than we thought it would. I think so, yeah. I think the way that WA in particular has managed it has just shown that we can that we can do these things now. 
and you know between between the viewers the listeners of this podcast thanks for all 27 of you or whatever um, mm, statistics thank you very show. much <laughs> thank you um i have done a little bit of breaking of those rules you know hanging out in threes every now and then and despite that despite Whoa. that we managed to and despite do it all well yeah i know so, right, yeah that's pretty good well, it's, yeah, I just think, again, I think I've said it before, but it just shows how lucky we really are. Like, we could be in the US, in the US, you know. Or even in Sydney, compared to here. True. Yeah. I know. Man, WA, the goat state, kind of. Because so <laughs> no one cares. That's, see, that's, it's a trade-off. No one cares about it, and no one goes here because it's so far away. Exactly. But then you get all these good stuff, all this good stuff. It's great. Yeah, and, and actually, speaking of that, um, the other day I saw it might have been on fake news website so i can't really be quoted here um but i saw that 96 percent of australians uh ha- or west australians sorry are ha- really happy with how mark mcgowan has handled the crisis Looks so like another four years of state yes, government at yeah. least that at least we can take that you know at least yeah labor can win something because <laughs> <laughs> goddamn, you know we can't win a national election no, not possible i was looking at um this is just a complete tangent you know, like, the number of years the Conservative government has been in place in this country as opposed to, like, the Labour government and their various I think it's, forms. like, a 70% to 30% split. It's crazy. Like, Labour just is not as electable historically as Yeah, Liberal. it's an opposition party. Yeah, yeah, literally. And it's the same in the UK as well. Yeah, I think, it, I think it is the exact same in the UK. Why is that? Do people ask why that is? Well, the... I don't want to say why it is, Nick. <laughs> but okay, the things we've been talking about, like media the media, bias. <laughs> yeah, the media, kind of corporate power, that like hasn't been a, a thing for a hundred years, right? We've had a hundred years of political history where that trend has built up, you know. Well, it has been a thing for a hundred years. I think the by the thirties, people figured out how to beat demo- uh, Companies figured out how to beat democracies. Really, that's interesting. I don't see. I don't really know enough about it. Um, I don't know when I where I thought of that, where I heard that. I think I heard it on the uh, Neil and Jordan podcast, which is, you know, you can take that with a pinch of salt, really. <laughs> but still, you know, uh, Friendly Geordie's pretty knowledgeable about politics, I'd mm-hmm. say, at least. Well, you know, it reminds me of the central voter theory, the middle median voter theorem, yeah. which we're both familiar with, but basically says that there's somewhere in the country there's a, mo- a voter who's exactly in the middle between both parties, and the party will adopt its position to get everyone to the left and right of that distribution, right? Yeah. Um, to try and, and win government. And that brought about the idea that parties have just, well, this was, the central voter theorem was really popular in the early 2000s, I believe, in that parties were just getting so close at the centre. And um, that's sort of that theorem, but that's gone out the window really since. Well, yeah, it has weird implications. Like it says that it should just basically be like, closer to a 50-50 split who's in government because they're both yeah. going to converge to the same position. It, it depends, like, who's better at, like, wiggling their way a little further or back or, like, mm-hmm. running a good campaign, essentially. That's yeah. Gonna, and, yeah, that is relatively random. But clearly not. I think there's some, like, structural reason, like, to do with Labour's ideology why it doesn't get into power so yeah. many times. Well, I also think, like, um, in Australia, I know, anyways, it might be different in other countries but i highly doubt it is it's it's almost like people think that politics is some sort of like blood oath where you have to vote what your parents vote for and i do that so (laughs) i'm not i'm not better than that as well um so you know it's not like i'm better than these people but like it's it's strange like a lot of people will just vote for the liberal party or the labor party in our case because our parents did what's the thing like you you think that you're making like an educated decision but 
you know, if you were born and raised in a family and a household that was completely liberal, we would literally be like the same versions of ourselves, but could have entirely like conservative ideas yeah. and ideas that align more with the Liberal Party and be like rationally making that decision. But like, what's changed? It's just our environment. Yeah, huge exactly. Your ideas. Well, you can see in our group of mates, like most of our mates would vote for the Liberal Party. A height, if any of you guys are listening, by the way. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, and they'd most likely vote Liberal Party. And what do you think is the difference between us and them? It's really just environment because they've had the same education. And, you know, I guess we've taken a bit more interest in politics than them. But, you know, aside from that. Yeah, I, I wrote an article in first year about what forms people's political opinions. And it's such a fascinating thing because it's like environment. People talk about genetics, like personality. It's, it's whack. We should talk about that one time as a topic. Yeah, we should. But we are we are getting... <laughs> a little long intro. I mean, uh, that's what we did. I mean, last week we talked about Brooklyn Nine-Nine and oh, Tiger yeah, King. Yeah, we did, didn't so... we? Topical. <laughs> at, least, at least this one's sort of based on politics, our <laughs> intro. True. They're getting better. Yeah, I mean, well, I think we've learned how to have a conversation. That's yeah. true. That's good. <laughs> I, I would hope I can do that. I don't really do it every fucking day of my life, but... Yeah. Um, Rob, you know something else is topical? This new... Yeah, the new app. Yeah, this, this new <laughs> coronavirus uh, tracing app. Now, Rob, have you downloaded the app? I have not yet. I think me downloading this app will actually highly depend on this conversation, Nick. Really? Are you yeah. serious? I'm considering it because, like, the, the government's official line is that they won't do anything with it, right? And uh, in, are you inclined to agree? believe the government, really? That's the whole real crux of this whole thing, really. So I've done unprecedented research for this podcast. I spent about <laughs> 10 minutes reading some news articles about this new app. Unprecedented. Unprecedented. <laughs> um, and I have been basically the stance that I won't download it. And then earlier today, for a second, I was like, wait, but do I have like an obligation to download this? Yeah, like, it is one of them, hey? And then I was like quickly like, no, probably not. Mm. Um, so just for a little bit of background, obviously everyone knows about the app, hopefully, if you're the government, um, and it basically records everywhere you go and will tell you if you've contacted someone who's, who's been tested COVID positive at a later date. Um, so the government have released a bunch of guidelines on like what they'll record. So a lot of the data is encrypted, um, and the only people who can unencrypt it are state health officials. Um, it doesn't record where you go. Um, it doesn't it's like keep that data yeah. unless you test positive and that data becomes available on the server in, here in Australia. Um, and all that data that is stored is stored on a server owned by Amazon, the company. So they were awarded the contract to keep all the data for Australia. And uh, today a weird thing has come up. We can start with this where um, there's a law in the US, Amazon being a US company, um, the law says that if the U.S. government wants to, it can force Amazon as a U.S. company to hand over all the data that it has on anything if it's a U.S. national security yeah. interest. Okay. And that has been a news story today, and people are wondering, <laughs> people are saying, legal experts are saying that it's it's legally possible for the U.S. to take all that data that is supposedly yeah. not going to be given to anyone. All right. I, I'm going to put myself as devil's advocate for this entire topic just Go because it, I feel like I know what your point is going to be. And I am, I think, more on the fence than you would be in this topic. Anyways, um, so the I know it's recorded all by Bluetooth rather than um, a mobile data, which is... So I don't think it actually tracks your location. It only tracks when you come into contact with someone else that has the app. Mm-hmm. 
right? Why should you get fact checking? Because I thought it did track your location. I don't know about that, but I know it's done via Bluetooth rather than okay, mobile yeah. data. Yeah, which um, if if my experience with Bluetooth is it's the worst fucking. Just quietly, Bluetooth is the worst. Mate, I love Bluetooth. <laughs> I it's rely- so bad. It's not bad. Bluetooth is a great technology. You know, it's named after a king of Sweden, Harold Bluetooth. That's great, Nick. <laughs> I, right, what you yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it probably isn't even going to work because it's fucking Bluetooth. <laughs> no. Nah, um, so, yeah, that that's a lot less scary. And that whole idea of that uh, US thing is... I'm pretty sure Google already has all my data anyways. Um, which is a bit of a... You know, it's a, it's a bit of a millennial argument, i.e. we're all going to die from climate change, so who cares? But... Mm. Um, Google already has all my data, so if the US wants my data, they're going to get it, really. Whether it's through Amazon by me downloading this app, which I haven't done yet, by the way, or through Google. See, my my thing is, is that the kind of system we have, so there's no real data protection system anywhere in the world. It's a huge, obviously, new thing that legislation hasn't really caught up with yet. But there are many groups who want greater data freedom. Um, And, like... The current way it works is that yeah, that company that collected the data owns that data, and like the government can't just take it because it's their property, right? So like the Australian government can't say, "I want this um, data." Do you have Facebook on all Australians? They can't do that. If but like because this is a government project and a government system, if they say if people leave it on their phones after this whole thing is done, which you know the government has said that, that they won't do that, but. You know, they're not legally compelled yeah, to do that at this can, point. You can never know, really. And I think, I'm not sure if it was before this podcast or during, but we ne- we said, you know, it comes down to the crux idea of do you trust the government, really? Yeah, yeah. I think it does come down to, like, trusting the government based on their track record with data protection. Yeah. Which is not good. <laughs> um, yeah, good yeah. point. I mean, like, the, I, the whole thing, how they, like, raided um, that News Corp, uh, journalist before to try and get the data about some about NBN policy. I think. Um, yeah, this is true. There's there's many instances of, of kind of both sides of Australian government not being good at data protection. Yeah, I saw a um funny Petuta Advocate uh, headline because you know, we're not actually reading Petuta Advocate as our sources <laughs> here. Yeah. I promise you that. And it said, you know, um, Australian government confused as to why uh, public is uh, worried about downloading app when they frequently blame. Um, you know, uh, former internet programs like the census and the, yeah. on hacking. It's yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Why won't you download it when uh, we've got this track record of always getting hacked? I know. <laughs> right. And like, once that data is collected in one spot, it's out there. And like, you don't know like who gets that. So this is like the whole, it kind of, it, you can draw kind of similarities to the whole Cambridge Analytica thing where Facebook had a bunch of data and gave it away to Cambridge Analytica, not really realizing the actual damage that would do. And then Cambridge Analytica used that to uh, basically hack political elections and just win them um, because it knew the voters it had to target. Um, so, you know, like you can say that that kind of data was very different for this thing, but it's all part of the same principle. It's like you don't own your data. Um, you really have no control what happens to it after it's on that server. And it is just, as you said, trusting the government that their restrictions and you know their own actual intention with the data is what they say. Yeah. Um, do you trust the government, Nick? No. <laughs> I, yeah, like, I, honestly, like, they, who wants to stop them from just secretly handing it over to ASIO or the AFP or something? Yeah, that, that's, that's the major concern, I reckon, is 
it it is a golden opportunity for the government to shore up those parts anyways yeah and like on a general like more uh, more general level of trust of the government governments especially liberal governments love to infringe on freedoms and human rights in the uh with the guise of saying it's protecting national security yeah so you can say that across many many different policies so nick here's the next question i've got for you yeah would you download the app if bill shorten was our prime minister right now this is a great question i was thinking about this earlier today i don't think so Wow, okay. I don't think so, because, like, you know, the reason I'm Labour is because I support Labour's policies, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that Bill Shorten's less of a scumbag than ScoMo, really, right? Yeah. Like, I don't actually know that. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I do. But what my point is that, like, I think that a Labour government, I can feasibly see them, like, handing over data to the secret police or whatever. Yeah. Not secret police. Like Asia or something as much as the Liberals could. Just because it's like a thing a major party would do. Um, because like, you know. So what if Richard didn't? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. In that case, of course. <laughs> no, no, I just seriously like, I I am worried by like the kind of, yeah, as I said, you know, just uh, taking away people's freedoms to justify like a national security kind of thing. Yeah. And this is in the same vein as that. And I don't want to give the government any kind of um, headway in that issue at all. Yeah, that's a very, very good point, Nick. And um, I thank you for giving me that. <laughs> Are you going to download the app? I don't know yet. I f- it's it's one of those ones where I know ScoMo said a few times that if we don't get enough people downloading it, we're just going to have to like force it on you. I didn't said that, did you? Well, I don't know. I don't know if, if we did. can say that on record. Yeah, no, I think, not on record. Sorry. Yeah, because I think they've said that they won't force people to download the app. Yeah, okay. But um, like, it, it's one of those ones where it's like, it's that whole idea of the public good versus the private good as well. Um, you know, what is privately, I think everyone would agree it's better if we don't download the app for you personally. But it's your the whole idea of it, the public good. Is it better to do this for the public good and risk that potential private risk? Or do you say, fuck everyone else, I'm all about myself. I don't know about you, Nick, but I'm an incredibly selfish, but no. <laughs> well, also, yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, like, my decision is also, like, taking into account, like, you know, the fact that we're doing relatively well. Like, if we were doing a lot worse, it was, like, a hellscape, I'd probably download it just to help out. And, I, yeah, I think the idea is, like, a very good idea. But I think, you know, it sucks that the institutional framework around data protection just isn't good yet. Yeah, and that that's a real concern that we don't have really any proper data laws in this country or in any real country. Yeah. And once again, I want to propose the Andrew Yang policy <laughs> of getting a data check every week. Um, that would be very nice and also be very democratic in a way, I guess. Um, but we don't have a Yang 2020 uh, president and we won't get that in Australia, I doubt, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Well, people just don't really get the whole data thing. I'm like, it's a very complicated topic to get. I think it um sort of comes under that whole idea of if it's too complicated to understand. I'm not sure what that argument's called when you make an argument deliberately. Just, yeah, there's a philosophical term for that. Yeah, no, I don't remember what it is. Though. So like, yeah, block people out from understanding it. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's used in politics a lot, to be fair. Definitely, especially in like complicated issues and you know com- issues like negative in, gearing <laughs> issues in today's order are complicated. But well, people always say like you know uh, people say like you should be worried about data protection. People say either like they already have all my data or I don't. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to hide anything. They can have all my data, which yeah. actually doesn't really make sense if you look at the whole picture, because mm. like 
the things that companies can do, especially with like big collections of data, are very, very scary. Yeah. Um, and like should be avoided. Yeah. Which is why we should have, you know, like an independent statutory body that manages data. And why you should be able to say like, hey, Facebook, stop collecting all my data. Give it back to me. And they'll be like, okay. They're yeah. compelled to do that. Mark but. Zuckerberg himself is going to bring you down at, you know. I want him to hand deliver it. <laughs> hand deliver some data. On a USB drive. <laughs> no, he just like forms it in his hands. <laughs> yeah, well, we should talk about data protection another time. It's a very yeah, it is a interesting very interesting topic. topic. We can do more research because it's like. We don't know enough, do we? I watched that documentary <laughs> on Cambridge Analytica, which is terrifying, but fascinating. Yeah, it is. it is terrifying how much these companies can know about you mm. well the cambridge analytical one is like so terrible we can talk about it another time mm. but like yeah you know, they that's using data for political gain and that was so 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 effective like part of why trump won the election mm. so like we've got to be really really careful about this stuff and we can't just say like yeah I, at the end of the day like you do like this is a different thing because it's like you know a national safety like health right but it's all a, a, a trade-off so, like, what are the principles you're sacrificing as much as, like, the actual data you're sacrificing? Yes. Because it gives, it gives them legitimacy to do this another time, you know, in the guise of national security. So. Yeah, the old precedent argument's a good one there as well, actually. Yeah. Mate, I'm full of good arguments. <laughs> <laughs> you're full of something else as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I saw... So, like, I, we asked our group of mates who's down the app. Most of them said no, yeah. there won't be. But I saw an Instagram poll of someone I know, and like I think a lot of people would have responded and said eighty percent would be. And there I said go. no, and I was like, wow, because they need forty percent of the population in Australia to download it for it to work. Yeah. So um, maybe me and you, Nick, we just don't, because we're better than the rest of the population. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the labour in me really wanted the whole project to fail so it'd make the coalition look bad. <laughs> But that's not really a nice... so partisan, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> that's not really a nice thing. I mean, yeah. Yeah, look, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can understand that, but... <laughs> I can understand that because I've had thoughts like that over this crisis as well. <laughs> but we'll move that to one side. <laughs> yeah, we'll move that to one side and we should probably move on as well. Yeah. It, it might go along this podcast already. Yeah. Looking at it. <laughs> but just this coronavirus thing has seriously extended the length of the podcast. We just have nothing else to do. Yeah, well, it it's lucky that it has come about because it means we can make weekly content for you guys because I don't know if a slow news week could get us through one of these 40 minuters. That's true. Yeah, yeah, it would a lot just, more conceptual. It would just be a labour round, <laughs> basically. John Howard did this in 2003. Yeah. How dare he? <laughs> it's just... oh, all right, so, you know, as part of this whole coronavirus app, our government's effort to stabilise the infection. Um, we're also seeing states like WA lift their restrictions. Yes. And New South Wales as well is going to go to what WA had before. So today they've announced that two people uh, will be able to hang out in public, and that's fine. Yep. And WA is going from 2 to 10. I think Queensland's also increasing their restrictions. I know I, New South, uh, South Australia is as well. I stopped... Uh, believing in Queensland after the election. You just don't care about the state I, anymore? No, I don't believe it exists. Right, interesting, <laughs> interesting. I must say, the Queensland Premier, I can't pronounce her name, so I'm not going to try. Uh, she's very good. I Is like she? her a lot. Yeah. Was she a, a liberal no. Premier? No. Is she Labour? Yeah. Because Queensland Labour is like just 
all the right wing of the Labour Party. Yeah, much. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, it, it Queensland's a very weird state, by the way, guys. If we haven't talked about that yet, podcast. Let's do a Queensland themed episode. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um, okay, we're also seeing um the US. We had that thing about the protests last week, so that's ongoing as far as I'm concerned. As far yep. as I've seen, I saw a new new one, new like a report on them this morning, and I saw one of them had a fucking sick truck. Sick pickup truck with like Trump's face on the side, flames coming off. You know, it was really cool. Oh, and yeah. I thought, I want to be that guy when I grow up. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. He's living his best life. <laughs> um, I think um, I also read in Europe there's there's pressure, growing pressure on governments to ease restrictions. People are getting antsy. Yeah. So it is this thing where I think you know, that like growing pressure from the public to ease restrictions is linked to this like this thing we talked about at the very start of this whole idea this whole pandemic which is um you know it was it would be a huge economic cost to shut everything down and some people were even saying we shouldn't shut everything down i think yep. now people are realizing that and feeling the pinch so they want to lift restrictions as soon as possible and are less convinced by the public health argument which yeah. is like a lot of experts like still saying that many areas need to like be very careful well especially here in uh, WA and really across the whole of Australia, we've done quite a good job in managing this crisis. Um, which you know you can thank state and uh, national leaders for that one. Actually, um, I gave Scomo a bit of praise, guys. There you look go. at me. Well, who knows, um, right? Like, yeah, it could be many things, but yeah, they haven't, yeah. they haven't really messed up. So that's good. They haven't, yeah, they haven't catastrophically messed up, which you know the Liberal Party is prone to do, and we got to <laughs> applaud them for not doing that. <laughs> I'm applauding. Yeah, clap, 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 clap. <laughs> Um, anyways, sorry. Sorry for being a partisan hack once again on this podcast. Uh, at unrepresented. Put, put another dollar in the jar, Rob. <laughs> um, yeah, so as I was saying, you know, when people see that we've had zero new cases in WA for the last, well, zero to, you know, under five every single day for the last three weeks or whatever it is, um, and you think, well, no one's getting it. Why are we still doing all this stupid shit, you know? Um, and that... You, that degrades the public health argument significantly and when everyone's still feeling the economic effects of this pandemic that's when people will want these restrictions to be lifted yeah definitely and like um so people talk about this thing where in a public health crisis um like uh or in any kind of crisis in that kind of way um the ratings for like politicians go up and like people get more confident in their leadership just because it's like a thing that naturally unifies people but an economic shut an, an, an economic shock or like a depression is not the kind of same thing people generally lose confidence in the leadership right so we're seeing it swing from like a public health thing which like unifies uh, people's resolve in politicians and institutions towards people are really starting to feel the economic pinch um, things like there's been some stuff today about how like they're delaying payment, certain payments um, uh, from the treasury, I think like some job seeker payments or something. Mm. That is going to start to show really badly and people are going to start to vent, I think, their um, annoyance at that a lot more vocally. Yep. Um, and we'll see a lot more opposition, I think. Um, maybe in this country, we haven't really seen any... Well, we're just doing so well. Yeah, really I don't think Australia is a country to really protest i think it's within our culture to just be like you know we're so complacent as a country 
I mean, look at our day, by the way. It's you such know. a nice day. You so know, why would you, how could you ever be this? mad living yeah. in a country like this? You know, it's That's one of those true. ones. <laughs> That's interesting. It's the one you always hear, you know, boomers always argue about. <laughs> and you say, you know, oh, liberals have brought us from the best managed economy in the world to the 24th best managed economy in the world. <laughs> We're battling out with Turkey nowadays. <laughs> the way our education is worse than... Kazakhstan. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no. What were we saying? <laughs> Sorry, pause and hack. Another dollar. <laughs> Put a dollar in the jar, mate. Well, what you don't want to see, right? It's like, regardless, whoever you are, what you don't want to see is uh, public, you have like a social restrictions and then you start to ease them in uh, responding to pressure from people to open back up and ease the pressure on the economy. And then you have another wave come through of the virus. Yeah. So you have, you're living in the worst economic situation possible. And you're also you're dealing with another public health crisis. Well, that, that that's the key issue. And Morrison has repeatedly talked about how that we've got to stay diligent with this whole process and not uh, relax these restrictions. Otherwise, we could have another wave. And we can see what a serious wave of this pandemic does by New York, by France, by Italy and Spain, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it'll be much, much better if we just keep it all locked down for a few more months until it is almost just it's zero it's like new zealand is where no one in the country has it i'm pretty sure i don't don't quote me on that <laughs> they're very low um yeah. no i agree like the the thing is you don't want to be the opposite of the party in power that had like that had control over coronavirus and then jumped the gun too early and had another wave of infection yeah. like you desperately don't want to have that on your record so you will go like err on the side of caution and be super safe, even maybe too safe. Some people might say, to in order to avoid that, and maybe on the whole, that's actually a really good part of democracy as well, right? And maybe like a reason why democracies might respond to this better, because yeah. you know the countries that are democracies don't want to see that negative outcome, so they're going to be super cautious and maybe in the long term that'll be the better response than trying to gamble and easing restrictions early, like China has done, right? Not a democracy. They did that. They're now having kind of problems again. Yeah, they're having a few. So, yeah, it's an you outbreak. You never really believe anything that comes out of China, unfortunately. Yeah, you really can't. But they definitely have, as we kind of maybe hypothesize might happen before, they've had some other outbreaks in the country. Yeah. So they're not done with coronavirus. No. Um, but I do think that was like an effort to try and um, save some of the economy and like kind of rush yeah, through. Because we talked about last week how quarterly growth was negative four percent i think it was a negative six or something which is that's like a that's <clears throat> a, what you know 12 percent turnaround for china's 12 14 percent turnaround yeah that's insane in gdp and that's that is a quarter insane <laughs> that is crazy yeah yeah in a quarter yeah that's like getting up to like the levels of like russia transitioning from like the soviet union to russia yeah when it shrank like I feel it's like double it's like digit. Lost it half its GDP. Yeah, which is just insane. But like that is like seriously, like when it gets to like double digits, that's like destabilizing and like yeah. creates a huge power vacuum. Yes. So it's interesting times. Um, and China. you know, as we talk about every single podcast, we talked about China's fucking legitimacy. <laughs> that economic growth is important for the CCP's legitimacy. So they yeah. need that. Yeah, and this is the downside as well of having like a kind of leadership and decision-making system like the one in China where it's one party. There's like no 
opposition, which is like railing against you and you're forced to be accountable to, right? To like respond to their points. Yeah. And there's no pressure to alleviate public concern as well, much less than there would be in a democracy anyway. Yes. So they might end up making, like thinking one decision is like the best idea and they're just completely fucking wrong and no one is actually checking that. Yes. So I agree with you, then. Maybe, maybe that's happened. Right? Maybe democracies are good after all. <laughs> maybe they are. Well, maybe apparently a lot nice. of young people don't think that. Yeah. So, there's there's data that says a lot of young people don't like democracy, is what me and Rob are referencing. We learned that in our first level policy unit. But... Yeah. <clears throat> Which, by the way, like, do people know what happens in authoritarian states or yeah. are they just oblivious because they've been <laughs> know nothing but a democracy that, i mean it's a really good point like people you know people our age and older didn't live through the cold war right so like yeah and like you know it's i think it's so interesting to see like soviet union is like a, the classic like strong man um like super righteous like one party state thing where yeah. they were like completely cut off from the rest of the world and like had this separate ideology China's not like that. Like No, China is much more integrated into the global system. Yeah, so they don't even look that much different to like a kind of somebody who doesn't look very hard. Right? Yeah, exactly. So like people don't really know what authoritarianism looks like, like the average person, I think. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. But yeah, this is a, a, a point for democracy, this crisis, I think. Hopefully. At, at this moment in time, it is. <laughs> True. These well, things change so much. Only a few weeks ago, we were talking about how great China is at dealing with this thing. Well, yeah, it was an advantage, right? Being able to have those force, like, you know, not having to worry about public pressure. But now it's a disadvantage because it's like maybe made them make the wrong decision. Yeah. All these things are trade-offs, guys. Everything is a trade-off. Exactly, Nick. Exactly. <laughs> That's why, you know... Um, we still see authoritarian states despite every single one of them falling mm. Mm. in history. How many years is the Soviet Union, Rob? 70. 73. And China is going to be 72 this year. Presses on. Presses on Z. G. I, th- I think Xi will uh, get him over the line, especially if he's still leader for life. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Salute to Xi. Salute, salute just did as that. always. Yeah, we'll just in case. Time lapse, hopefully. Insurance policy. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how those lifting of restrictions go. You know, because, like, imagine us listening to this, like, two weeks from now um, in, like, an alternate reality, hopefully, where, like, Australia, like, has a second wave and it's devastating. Like, imagine what we think of us now. Yeah. Idiots. Fucking idiots. We like, should yeah. be more careful. Exactly. So, I think we do have to stay vigilant. We do. Yeah, we do. Public health message. Still wash your hands and try not to drink beers every Friday night like we will be. But I think it's okay if you download, don't download the app. Yeah. But the official line is download the app. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, luckily we don't have uh, the officials telling us what to put in the podcast yet. Luckily, so. we probably don't have the reach of the Australian government <laughs> as well. I don't know about that, Rob. <laughs> they got shout, out, right. shout out to all Especially when you hand over your data <laughs> to the government, right? ASIO gets a hand of it. Next thing you know, you're looking through your window. <laughs> Did you? There was a scam today. This is, it belongs in the last topic, so I apologize to everyone. But right. I saw a scam where, um, like, it was a picture trending on Twitter where it was a text from the government and they were saying, You've strayed 20 kilometers uh, away from your registered home address. Like, please call my gov and explain, like, why you've done this within 15 minutes of getting this text. And it was a complete scam. But, like, people were so worried. You would be, to be fair. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> That's some that 1994 is, shit. That is next level shit. So, I mean, yeah, I'll give the government credit. They're not doing that. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> I'll give them some credit. 
All right. Um, should we get to the fun fun one? Yeah, the the third fun topic, as we call it. Or yeah. I think me and Nick, when we talk with each other, we call it a conceptual topic or something. Conceptual fun yeah. topic. You know, every everything conceptual is fun. Exactly. Right? You just get to do whatever. You everything have to worry about politics evidence. is fun. Yeah. <laughs> you can <laughs> evidence and actual good arguments. You can just have a yarn. Yeah, exactly. Well, because our, our podcast, the rest of the time, is all <laughs> evidence Relies on based. good evidence. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right, Rob. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, we Rob, should reiterate that. Part. Yeah, the topic of today, mystery, is, yeah. is Kim Jong-un dead? Is Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-il? <laughs> Great joke. <laughs> Great joke. Classic banter, that one. Yeah. Well, for those of you who maybe don't know, there's rumours that North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un is dead. He hasn't been cited in public for a few weeks. Um, he He's a <laughs> chain smoker. He has a very unhealthy lifestyle. He has a history of heart problems in his family. Um, and apparently he went in for some heart surgery and no one has seen him since. So people are saying, people are uh, speculating that it was a botched heart surgery and he's in fact dead. Yeah. Which, it, I don't know. Well, we should say, we should can... Um, Preface this topic with, we don't know what is happening there, so yeah. everything we say will probably be disproven or proven in a week's time. Hopefully, by the time, not by the time this podcast comes out, yes, that make us look really dumb. We will look really dumb yeah. if he comes out tomorrow morning, just a big waiting. smile on his face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all the all the people are just saluting. Fires him. another nuclear missile over Japan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I actually don't think he's he's dead. Because remember that time that everyone thought Putin was dead? Everyone thought he had cancer? No, I don't Well, that, that happened a few years ago. And then yeah. after a few months, he came out riding a horse shirtless in Siberia. And he was like, I'm fine. That's so you, you the can't best get... way to prove that you're not dead, <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> you, can't, you can't get your hopes up if you're hoping for a dictator to yeah, pass It on. is a bit weird hoping that someone dies. But yeah. I think if you could hope anyone would die, it would be the guy that just shot anyone that had coronavirus in their country. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about the ethical reasons as well. I was thinking it might be more unstable to kill it, but also the ethical reasons. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's, like, uh, apparently the, the South Korean government, who probably have the best intelligence besides the US on this, are saying that they don't have any reason to think that he's dead. Yeah. Um, he's, like, his private train, which is apparent, apparently North Korean dictators get private trains. Yeah. What the fuck is that? Get a plane. The whole no communism. Everyone's equal under communism, mate. (laughs) Everyone gets on train. Yeah, everyone gets their own train. Except everyone, (laughs) only him. (laughs) Well, it was spotted outside his uh, resort. So apparently, I think like the South Koreans just think he's having a little recovery at his resort. Yeah, he's probably having a little holiday. Yeah, Uh, this is the time to have it. Yeah, exactly. It's not like there's a global pandemic going on. Well, I think North Korea's response has been the best out of any country in the world. Just most effective. One zero. <laughs> most effective is the best way of saying that. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> the best? Maybe not. <laughs> well, Trump has said, like, people ask Trump about this, and, he's, and they're like, do you know more? And he's like, I do. I can't tell you, but I do know what's happening. And <laughs> it's just so weird, because, like, remember Trump said he was, like, a fr- he was friends with Kim Jong-un after they had those peace yeah. talks, which just produced nothing. Yeah, it's weird that the leader of the free world is very chummy with uh, dictators in... Putin's technically no, Rob, not a dictator. You understand, he's a good friend of mine. 
no, yeah, he's yeah. a nice guy. We chat on, we get along well. He's a nice guy. We'll forget the horrific human rights record. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> as, long right. as, he's, as long as he has a good yarn with me. Hey, we commit human rights abuses all the time as well. <laughs> God damn. Um, yeah, well, so it's interesting. If Kim Jong-un is dead, he doesn't really have a successor. So people are saying his sister might take over, but like a female single party ruler? That's never happened before in the 20th, 20th century, I don't think. I will have a look for you, Nick, but I don't think either. I'll yeah. get on Google for you. Oh, you want to get on the Google? Yeah, I'll have Do a look. Do it. I mean, I'd be interested. It's usually, well, people call it the strong man situation for like a reason, right? It's a strong man. So. Yes, true. Uh, who knows? But, you know, he doesn't have a son or anything. I think he's still pretty young. He's in his mid-30s. So it's always very dangerous when that kind of situation develops because North Korea has nukes, right? So if they fall apart, if it becomes unstable, who gets those goddamn nukes? Because that's really dangerous. Nuclear weapons are by far the most dangerous when they are held by like, or when they're in an area held by which is just state. unstable. Yeah, this is yeah. true. Um, But you'd imagine that those nukes would either go to China or South Korea. You'd if, hope so. If the whole regime fell. Yeah, well, hopefully China would just rush in and just take them because, like, China doesn't want a nuclear war. Yeah, well, you could even not. I don't think the South Koreans would want a nuclear war either. It's true, China but just above them. Oh, here's what happens: China comes from the north, South Korea comes from the south. Korean, Korean war, war round two. two. <laughs> Honestly, like, would that even happen? You know, I was reading. So, like, South Korea. I don't know what exactly what their deal is vis-a-vis unification i don't know if there's like a clear stance but they have a unification minister did you know that no i didn't know i that. saw today a comment in a story from the unification minister i was like wow they have so they clearly want unification then that's interesting oh by the way um the whole female dictator thing the closest thing you have is the queen so no so no yeah interesting so i think that's very unlikely actually yeah um because like very unlikely you know the legitimacy there is like it's a family title but it goes to the sun. I think that's like probably yeah, important. It's it's weird that how that's never happened. I guess you know female rights haven't really been a thing since the seven. Well, not no females never had rights before. <laughs> so, but feminism, as I was meant to yeah. say, hasn't really grown since you know the, the first wave in the seventies. Anyways, I I would guess that feminism or Western feminism hasn't gotten into North Korea yet. It probably hasn't gotten into one party dictatorships. Will stop really? <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. So I think very unstable if he actually is dead and, like, something we should be very worried about. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I mean, a lot of people think that North Korea is just, like, this rogue state that it doesn't really... If they don't exist, um, it's, you know, wouldn't be a bad thing for the world. It'd probably be a good thing, actually. But just them not existing as a state will create that power vacuum, mm. as we talk about a lot. And that could lead to a rise of another system in North Korea. It could be democratic which would be good, or it could be even worse somehow. I don't know how you could get worse, but maybe it could be. Or it could incite conflicts, like we've seen before. I mean, and there was yeah, conflict the there historically, right? So, like, who knows between China and South Korea, China and the US? Who yeah. knows? It's a very, it's a very, very scary. It's a big threat to the whole region, really. Well, I think, I think if China took that land in this theoretical situation where he has died, you know, don't don't quote us on this, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. I think that would be a sign of aggression by China for a lot of um, countries because unlike with Hong Kong, uh, Macau, and even Taiwan, um, 
China's never owned that land. Yeah, I was gonna say there's no like legitimacy there, right? Yeah. Like Korea, like the people, the Korean people are like their own ethnicity and they have their own culture. And exactly. And if South Korea took it, you'd you'd imagine there'd be less of a concern from China, etc. They might be concerned with uh, a uh, WA, not WA. A, West, WA, a Western, <laughs> a Western power being so close on their doorstep, but they already really had that with Japan and South Korea. Literally everyone besides North Korea and Vietnam and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it it'll be interesting um, if that happens, really. Yeah, it will be interesting. I think the most likely thing is that you know China just like does not go anywhere near that and just lets South Korea take over. But that in itself would be well, the most likely thing that he hasn't done. <laughs> in the event that he has died, given he has died, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, and given the regime collapse as well, you could just see some military dude come in and just take control. But that as well, yeah. Who knows? I'm sure they inherit a very easy way to. Well, I think I think the, the South, if that power vacuum was created and there was dissent in North Korea, I think South Korea would be pretty eager to get up there. But like with military, because. Like, there's nukes, so, like, such an uncertain situation, you know? That's a good point, actually, yeah. The, yeah. the nuclear weapon argument is a good one. Yeah, because no one I hadn't considered that. that yet. Yeah. It's just such a, a scary, scary situation if that would happen. You really, mm. what you do want, what you want is this kind of modernization thing where they slowly open up to the world economy after seeing that their country is dog meat and so they start to democratise and westernise. Yeah. <laughs> not westernise in the meaning of like adopt western culture, but just adopt democracy Yeah, a similar economic Or at economic least model. do a China and just become a capitalist nation. Sure. Yeah, I'd take that over Mao's China. Yeah, yeah. I would as well, Nick. Yeah. It's good that we've got that uh, opinion. But something that I remember from last year as well is that North Korea's GDP is like under one-tenth of South Korea's. Yeah, it, it, as you said before, that country really is dog mate. So, like, what would it look like if if they tried to unify? Like, what happens, like, to people in the north? Because everyone in the north would just go south. Yeah. And, like, what, there's, like, there's just be no one left up north. I, th- I think it would be... Um, I, rem- I remember we were talking about this last year in our international relations in the East Asia unit. Great unit. Really great unit. Shout out to Jay Chang, by the way. If we can ever get him on, that'd be really great. If he's listening? <laughs> For some reason. Yeah, check your inbox. <laughs> um, if, yeah, if... Um, oh, what was I going to say? Never mind, sorry. Uh, if that does happen with the whole North and South uh, reunification, anyways, uh, it would be extremely difficult for them to unify economically. And we have got a little bit of precedent in this with the East and West Germany reunification. And by no, I think West Germany was like maybe one-fifth bigger, 1.5 times bigger economy to the uh, East, or might have been two, or maybe even higher than that. Yeah. But 10 times bigger, that is such a ginormous gap to make I know, up. yeah. It would be so, it would take so much money from the South Korean government to get it up to even like, close to the other country i know the one thing i will say is that north korea is um abundant in natural resources and that could help them actually interesting well yeah i mean the long-term trade-off there is like positive if you do it right but it's gonna be a short-term extremely expensive uh procedure and south korea has its own problems as well like their previous president got done out on corruption charges which is not a good sign um so you know they've got their own problems for sure yeah and then they have a hard border with china which is like whoa 
Yeah, that's that, that is worrying. There's no buffer zone. There's yeah. no small little man buffer zone. Interesting. Well, hopefully he's not dead. Hopefully he dies of old age or and then someone else opens up the country and Yeah, it's a weird one. It's a really strange one. Uh North Korea. It's one that the you know, when the US is worried about you, it shows that you're doing something at least as an enemy of the US. Um and they're a really strange country to talk about and to analyse because A, we don't really know anything about the country because nothing comes out of there. And B, it, it's it's just such a... It seems like a relic of the past, you know? It's the only real old-school communist system left, really. Yeah, yeah. And even then, it isn't, it isn't, it isn't even like Soviet Russia. It's more like just... Kim Jong's playground. It's yeah, it's not at all what communism is meant to be, which is like a well-managed centralized economy. No. <laughs> it's just a fucking like massive massive wealth inequality. It's yeah, it's one of the worst countries in the world. Yeah. yeah. I put it up there. Dog mate countries, you <laughs> dog <put> mate. <laughs> well, on that note, should we wrap things up? Yeah, it might have been a bit of a sobering ending, but we Try to keep positive. We're, we're not famous for optimistic endings. No, we aren't. Are but we? politics isn't either. So, yeah. Look, if we can somehow find a topic that we do end on optimism with, we'll do it. But who knows when that's going to come? <laughs> Definitely true. Yeah, no more uh, end of history moments to come. Really, I think no a lot problems. Not for a long time. At we'll least, we'll be we'll be old and drinking alcohol on weeknights by that time. Yeah. Hopefully we're still doing the podcast. Ep- episode <laughs> three hundred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, beautiful. Uh, we'll Thanks see you guys next everyone. week. Follow us on Instagram at Unrepresented as well. Yeah, you'll see the time lapse. Thumbs up. <laughs> Alrighty. See you guys next week.